Hello and welcome to the Daily Zen Podcast. My name is Charlie Ambler, uh, creator of Daily Zen. I've been on holiday for a week, so thank you for being patient while I spent some time with my family. I um, I moved far away from home this year for the first time, and it was just nice to have some quality time with them and to eat a lot. Um, I got a new microphone to record these things that's like a fancy sports casting mic, and I'm hoping that it eliminates all outside noise. Um, but if anyone has any professional audio tips, they're always suggested. I asked for people to suggest some topics on Twitter yesterday, and the best one I I addressed yesterday sort of in a post, but it, it was a short post, and someone suggested the topic of fear, uncertainty, and mental patterns that lead to always have that lead to always having a dangerous situation or the creation of failure because of mental patterns. It's a little confusing, but um, I think sort of what the person who asked that was trying to get at is how we create, we kind of create negative rationalizations for things that we're scared to do or things that we're too lazy to do or stuff maybe that we secretly don't want to do. And we find reasons to not do it, not necessarily because uh, it's something that we shouldn't do or something that we don't want to do, but it's sort of, it's very easy when you're not being held responsible directly for something to take responsibility for it and to acknowledge that it's something that you have control over. And in that post I wrote yesterday, I discussed the relationship that fear has to sort of deep thoughts and how when we meditate and we let thoughts come and go, we're training the brain effectively, sort of rehearsing this practice of not grasping at them and not taking them too seriously. And the purpose of that, excuse me, the purpose of that is not to detach from life or to forget about the important things or to pretend that our thoughts don't have power and don't have importance. The purpose is to remember that the the machinery behind the thoughts is under our control and it can be fine-tuned in order to perfect or refine the process by which we take action and the way that we judge outcomes, the way that we prejudge things that we haven't done yet, all that stuff. So, you know, the same way if you're operating without any sleep, you're going to sort of be at a low energy level. You're going to be a little delirious. You're not really going to be able to make decisions in a constructive way. Operating without any sort of reflective backbone or meditative consciousness is actually very similar in a more esoteric sense. This is, of course, my opinion, just through experience. Because you don't have that extra element there of of, uh, post-thought, I guess you could call it. When we think about the things we're worried about and we think about what we're scared of and we rationalize the, the actions or lack of actions that we take, 
it sort of relies on this little voice that's going, well, but I don't know, I'm not so sure, <laughs> maybe not. Um, sort of an automatically anti, an automatic anti-certainty impulse that takes over. And the meditative consciousness, which I like to call beginner's mind, because that's sort of what we cultivate in Zen, is neither here nor there. It's neither, oh, I'm not so sure about things, or oh, I'm so sure about this, this is going to be, you know, exactly what I'm supposed to do. So instead of sort of having that that duality or that steadfastness of A or B, X or Y, plus or minus, it's more of this sort of place in the middle where you can acknowledge what could happen, what may happen, what has happened in the past, what you want to happen, what you don't want to happen. You can sort of have everything up there without it overwhelming you and you can experience sort of every dimension of a potential decision or a potential outcome without having to grasp at one in particular which can often complicate the process and remove a certain degree of objectivity from your decision-making process and maybe maybe it's it's not a it's not a very popular view to say, you know, in Zen at least, to say that we can attain a certain absolutism or an objectivity in our decision-making or in the way we perceive things. But through that sort of multifaceted, multidimensional understanding of the way that your thoughts and your actions are related, you do inadvertently end up doing that. And that's nice because you can enjoy the fruits of proper actions. You can anticipate when things may not go as you expect. And you can appreciate when, even when things um, don't meet your expectations, precisely because you know that they're not fully under your control. Um, and in that, in that note, I share this story all the time, but I think that it's worth repeating because it's just so, it's, it's pretty much my favorite thing that I've found over the years studying all this stuff. I'll read it from the <laughs> I'll read it from an old post on the site because I have it right here. There's a Taoist story of an old farmer who had worked his crops for many years. One day his horse ran away. Upon hearing the news his neighbors came to visit. Such bad luck, they said sympathetically. Maybe, the farmer replied. The next morning, the horse returned, bringing with it three other wild horses. How wonderful, the neighbors exclaimed. Maybe, replied the old man. The following day, his son tried to ride one of the untamed horses, was thrown off, and broke his leg. The neighbors again came to offer their sympathy on his misfortune. Maybe, answered the farmer. The day after that, military officials came to the village to draft young men into the army. Seeing that the son's leg was broken, they passed him by. The neighbors congratulated the farmer on how well things had turned out. Maybe, said the farmer. And uh, that's just like one of my absolute favorite stories from these. It's actually a Taoist story. It's, well, technically Taoism is part of the Zen tradition because it preceded it and influenced it. But um, it's just that sort of, that's the sort of ethos that I think we're going for because think of how many if you look back into the past and you think of how many times you were you were misguided or how many times a decision that you made was made 
in anticipation of something else and then the influence that it had on other things that, that occurred later on that were sort of all predicated on maybe some sort of false assumption or some sort of vain expectation or, you know, the more the more desires and attachments that you build up around decisions and expectations about the future and interpretations of the past, the more difficulty you have often in uh, realizing why things are happening, seeing maybe how they might turn against you or for you. And I don't know, it's sort of just this web of complexity that it's, it's, often very daunting for us to acknowledge but it's important to pay attention to because we're not judging we're not assessing necessarily we're sort of just trying to get into the flow of things and there's a natural intuition i think that takes place when you are aware of the the current and the direction in which things are moving and you can engage with that in a way that when we're sort of just mindlessly going through the motions and grasping at what we want right now or what we want five years from now and we put our blinders on and we just do stuff in order to achieve those things there's a there's a significant amount of limitation that results from that and it's often ironically limitation that prevents us from doing the very things that we that we think we want to do so there's sort of sort of just a reevaluation of circumstance and time and space that has to occur. It sounds like science fiction or something, but that's how I like to see it. Because the best way to figure that out is to go against what you've done in the past. To say in a in a situation maybe maybe you're used to planning five years ahead because you want to I don't know, go to business school or you want to get a, get a really good job so that you can support your family and do fun things and go on good vacations and stuff like that. Maybe that's your goal to get a raise or something. Um, and so you put your blinders on, you think, Oh, I'll, I'll put up with this a little bit longer. I'll do this a little bit longer. Um, you know, this sort of suffering that I'm doing is in order to accomplish this goal later on. And that's valid, but we often sort of just ignore the immediate potential new ways of seeing things and new ways of doing things uh, when we put those blinders on. And so you may ignore important opportunities that arise, risks that could be taken in order to further achieve that goal, you know, things like that. There's all of these kind of little things that you start to notice, especially people who just start to meditate you start to notice these new sort of things that just kind of pop up in your life that that are opportunities that you just never recognized before and they're not they're not simple cut and dry like oh this is a this is a great opportunity it's more little new ways to solve problems and understand your your own internal logic that let you do things in sort of just a more natural and optimal way for yourself and over time that compounds into a, a really significant amount of freedom and uh, confidence that compounds again into more freedom and confidence precisely because you see for yourself, oh, I can sort of take things into my own hands. I can do this 
in on my own terms i can um you know i'm not i'm the master and you know freud said the ego is not the master in its own house yeah you're the master in the house your deepest unconscious is the master of the house and so when we pretend that the ego is the master of the house we or the id or the super you know whatever it is any part of your your mind your thoughts whenever you pretend that someone other than you is running the show you're going to run into problems because you know if you pretend that your four-year-old child is running the show you're going to wonder why the house doesn't get cleaned you're going to wonder why the fridge is left open all the time while all the appliances are on none of the food gets cooked the cars are parked on the lawn you know the 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 wrong person is in charge in a lot of our own minds and the wrong person being not us so you kind of through that self-awareness and that self-reflection take charge back over your own decision-making process and stop relying on sort of the prefab methods of rationalization and decision-making and simple attachments and van just kind of vain pursuits and stuff that culturally and traditionally we're told to pursue um and many of which are very very destructive to the spirit i think in modern culture sort of like how millennials are now chasing lots and lots of successive relationships in order to have as many different sexual and relationship experiences as they can instead of really making a goal to find someone to settle down with long term because they have a, a stigma against monogamy for whatever reason Cult because culturally there's sort of this epicureanism that persists where you want to have as much variety and as much different experience as possible and all that and we apply that a lot to our lives where no matter what people have they they want something else because of this consumer society they want a different car a different house or a different spouse or kids who are into different things or whatever and they can't accept that um what they have is what it is and if they can't be content with that there's really it's really not going to be easy to be content with anything else um and this wraps all back to what i was talking about about decision making because these are the these are the deepest influences on our decisions and these are the masters that we let control our houses and if we let ourselves be guided by these fleeting attachments and these things that once we achieve them we often just pick something else to to jump onto to to latch onto because it's it's not really what we're searching for the master is more this idea of attachment itself than it is the thing that we're seeking after so you know you become more attached to chasing than you do to the goal and once you achieve the goal you just want to keep chasing and all the while you've sort of placed a bet on this one future event that that you want to happen that based on the on the premise of what you're doing can never happen because you're always sort of setting yourself up to be chasing and so people move through the various checkpoints of their lives in dissatisfaction because they constantly just need something else because it's sort of this never-ending chase you know and i think when you see that process happening when you just sit and reflect and you see your thoughts come and go you see how fragile they are and you accept that they're not they're not a strong guide you know it's kind of like if you had a gps who you put in a destination 
and the GPS is always rerouting you so like every five seconds to the point that you never get there because you're always taking a different left. You're always taking a different right. There's no way to reach the, to reach the final destination of contentment because your brain is always trying to tell you to go in a different direction based on its whims. But when you take control over those whims and take control over that decision-making process by becoming aware of how it actually works, you regain a significant amount of power for yourself. And that it's not really a, it's not a selfish thing. It's not an egotistical thing because it benefits everyone around you. I mean, you know, if you picked, pick five people right now who cause, who you, you see as people who are troublemakers, who cause difficulty, who cause themselves and you and the people in their lives, um, trouble and pain sometimes we all do you can include yourself in the list if you want why do they do that you know why do we cause other people to suffer it's usually because we see them we get frustrated with them for interfering with our own attempts to achieve these goals and when we sort of recognize that that that's not someone else's responsibility and when we take responsibility and stop victimizing ourselves and blaming other people and all this stuff um, it becomes a lot more mellow. Interactions with others become a lot less tense and they become more honest because we're not in the, on the other side of things. People who blame others for when they fail are often the people who think, who, who create fake relationships with others predicated on the potential of achieving something later on or getting something out of a relationship. So escaping that entire cycle is sort of a metaphor for escaping the cycle of suffering at large, you know, the Buddhist cycle of samsara, they call it. Because it's it's kind of the fundamental premise of it is the anti-maybe premise, the, the certainty premise that you think that your brain in its attachment mode is reliable enough for you to be making decisions based on its fleeting whims. Um, and it's not. So... Once we realize that, we we reflect more and we sort of develop a more natural way to judge and to make decisions that isn't based on that grabbing, grasping mind, that, um, I don't know, ego mind, sort of the best way to describe it. And that's what we're doing when we're cultivating beginner's mind. We're, we're saying, how can we approach this, you know, the same way you would approach uh, playing basketball anew, if you were cultivating beginner's mind, you would try doing dif different things. You try unlearning old habits. We're unlearning old habits about the most fundamental ways we sort information and make decisions and relate to others, relate to ourselves, all of that. We're fundamentally rethinking and reshaping that based on natural experience and lived experience and reflection rather than culture, rather than social influence, um, and rather than sort of egotistical attachments. It's a, just a, re, a reorienting process. So um, I tried to broaden that out because I didn't want to talk too much about fear because I just wrote about it yesterday. So um, yeah, thank you for listening. That's it for today. This is the free episode of this week's podcast. The 
premium episode will be posted tomorrow or Friday on patreon.com slash daily zen that premium episode along with one or two extra weekly essays is available for subscribers anyone who pledges five dollars or more per month on patreon helps me put time into this and um, I greatly appreciate everyone who contributes to that so I'll be back next week thank you for listening and feel free to leave any feedback positive or negative uh, on Twitter or wherever else you see fit. Thank you.